0: Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come join us at 10.30am every Sunday. Okay, so I'm going to pray for Peter um, before, he, before he speaks. Lord, we just thank you for Peter, and we just pray that um, you would give him uh, your words to say, Father, and that um, we'd have open ears and open hearts to what it is that you want to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'll come across here so uh, you can see me at the other end or at home. So the verse is from uh, chapter two, and it's verse 11, and uh, it should be coming up on your screens, and it goes like this. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. I was typecast for this morning. As a doctor, it was, seemed that uh, I was appropriate to speak on this topic. And um, I, I can confess, I've only ever seen one circumcision. And I... I stood there wincing gently with kind of crossed legs as I watched the surgeon doing the procedure, and I've never done one myself. Um, So, um, But this morning, uh, this is the topic that um, we have come to, and uh, we're not avoiding bits of the book just because they may be slightly more difficult to talk about. And so I just want to give you a little bit of background. So in the Jewish nation... Uh, The boys were circumcised um, when they were a week old, and uh, it marked you out as belonging to the Jewish people. It was the sign that you were part of God's people. Now, interestingly, it wasn't exclusive to Israel. It was done um, in other people groups, um, in other religions as well. We know that uh, Muslims uh, also do it today. And uh, in history, it's been done to males and females. And uh, obviously we we don't do that quite as much anymore and uh, it seems very strange in our culture and actually we would probably say it's not appropriate, but in biblical times uh, for the Jewish people this is what God had told them, uh, that you should get your boys circumcised uh, when they're a week old. And um, as we read the Old Testament, um, there's lots of different things about circumcision and uh, some of you with a longer memory may remember me talking about a pile of foreskins at one point um, when we were uh, reading through, uh, I think it was Joshua at the time, and uh, I want to read this bit from Deuteronomy 10, which gives you a bit of context as to how God felt about circumcision. To the Lord your God belongs the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth, and everything that's in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors, and he loved them, and he chose them, their descendants above all the nations, as it is today. So circumcise your hearts, therefore. Don't be stiff-necked any longer, for the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality, accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the foreigner residing amongst you, giving them food and clothing. And it goes on, and it basically talks about the ancestors and the heritage that the people of God had that they were joined together in this sign, but actually the sign wasn't important. It was their heart that was important. And God wanted the hearts of his people above all else. And Paul comes to this point in Colossians and he, he says, actually, um, I want you to think the right thing about this, not the wrong thing. So if we go back a verse... Uh, to verse 10 of Colossians uh, chapter 2, Paul says, So you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and every authority. And he goes on then to say, When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, not by a physical procedure, but Christ performed a spiritual circumcision the cutting away of your sinful nature. And he's saying, look, we've got the Jewish people and some of those have been circumcised because they were Jewish. But actually, you who have come to faith, who who were not brought up as a Jew, Christ has done the same in you on your heart. The same as God was asking of his people all the way back there in the Old Testament, right back at the beginning He's asking that of you and he's saying he has done it. And so Paul says you are complete in this. And so it's one of those scenarios where you're complete because you've got less. And that seems really strange, doesn't it? How can you be complete because you have less? But it's because Christ has achieved on the cross. There's a new covenant that he takes away your sinful nature on the cross. He, he did it all. And as has been said this morning, he rose again, triumphant over death. And so you have more because something has been taken away from you. So I just want to say three things about circumcision. The first is, it's an unnecessary bit of flesh. It's a bit like an appendix. You can take it away, It doesn't matter that it has gone. And you know what? Your sinful nature was not necessary for your good. It's not necessary. By its very nature, it's bad, a sinful nature. Now, chocolate cake is good, and I've said it this way because Neil is listening. But actually, chocolate cake is very bad for us we cannot live on chocolate cake alone. Many of us would like to. When I was eating chocolate trifle yesterday, I thought it was amazing. But I cannot live on chocolate trifle. We love it, but we don't need it. Do you need your sinful nature? No, you don't. And Paul is saying here, the circumcision was also unnecessary. And so there was people saying, you should be circumcised because you've joined the club. And Paul is saying, no, it's happened spiritually. You don't need to do this. A second thing um, about circumcision is that actually it's the cutting away of harmful flesh. So When I refer people to have this procedure done, which I do every so often, it's because actually there's disease. They might not have been attentive and cleaned very well, which just can make you shudder if you think about that. And so sometimes I have to sit there with young boys and their parents and I have to explain that they need to clean themselves properly. And if they don't, then actually we might need to cut that bit off. It's not a very pleasant thought, is it? But you know, sin is harmful. Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, cut it out. Get rid of it. Now, he's not actually saying, get a knife and cut your eye out. He's saying, get rid of the thing that's causing you the problem. And he's talking about your sin. It's a metaphor that he has used he's saying avoid it, run away from it, escape your sin. But you know what? If your sin has been cut off, you can't get it back. Now some men come to me and they ask for a reversal of a procedure that they've had done. But I've never had anyone come and say, could you reverse my circumcision? once the flesh has been cut off it's off we don't keep it in a little jar to put on again later you don't take it home with you to put on for special occasions it's gone it's cut off you can't put it on because it's finished it's over and that's the same with your sinful nature jesus has dealt with your sinful nature you don't go and get it off the shelf and put it back on. It has gone once and for all. And you might say, well, the thing is I keep on sinning, so surely I've still got my sinful nature. And that's the strange thing about the kingdom of God. It's the the now and the not yet. And actually we don't see the full fulfillment of everything Christ has done but we will do we are guaranteed in heaven to have no sin no disease no sickness it's going to be new it's going to be fresh and we are getting that now we are appropriating that right now but what has happened spiritually is that it's done it is finished The third thing about the circumcision is it's a sign of belonging. You're in the club if you've got this done. And um, I want to ask you this morning what's the sign that you have been saved? What would your friends say is the mark that says they are a Christian and I know it because? What is that mark? And I think that's quite challenging when we think about that. Now, as I said, there's no loss in the circumcision. And Jesus talks about the vine. He says, um, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that doesn't bear fruit, he prunes off. So that actually, it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean, because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is really clear. That actually, he's going to cut some stuff away. But actually, by doing so, that you will be more. And actually, that it will be done, it will be finished. The same with the vine, they don't get the branches and put them back in. You are part of God's glorious vine as you've accepted Christ, and you bear his fruit, and that is the sign. That is the sign that he has cut away your sinful nature and that you are new. Now, this was going on in the early church. They were having these discussions and um, and Paul's addressing this. And you remember, if you were listening last week, that um, Phil said, actually, you understand Colossians better when you read the other letters that Paul has written and that you put them together and you get the full picture Because often, like this verse, there's just a little bit in a verse, but you don't see the bigger picture as to why he's saying it. So I want to take us back a little bit in the New Testament to Acts, Acts 11. And uh, it says here, Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So that's the the non-Jews. And when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to the uncircumcised men and you ate with them. And Paul was really, uh, Peter was really clear with them. It doesn't matter what has happened to their flesh. It doesn't matter what the sign is that you think that they are not worthy of God. But actually, Christ has done something new in their hearts, and I can eat with them with full, clear conscience because of what God has done. And some of those circumcision party, they were saying, I'm a more authentic Christian than you are because look at this. I was there, I was a Jew before I became a Christian, and you can tell. And Paul's saying, no! What a load of codswallop! Romans 3 talks about this, and it starts off at the beginning of Romans 3, talking about the value of circumcision. And then in verse 11, it says, No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And then in verse 20, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, that's God's sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. And he's saying, actually... The law says, go get circumcised, but actually Christ has done away with the law. We have moved beyond that into a new covenant. And then in Galatians 6, it says, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation." And you know what? That's what counts, is that we are a new creation in Christ. Nothing else matters. No external sign, no doing of anything makes us better or more right with God beyond what Christ has done. It's the accepting of his grace that is the only thing. Romans 2 says, For circumcision is... Indeed, is of value if you obey the law. So it's really important to the Jews that they are circumcised because actually they are obeying the law as their way of getting to God. But we know it didn't work because we've got the Old Testament to read. We know they tried and they failed. And uh, so he goes on in Romans 2, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. You're as good as those who weren't in God if actually you are not keeping the law. And the whole point is we can't. And no one could until Christ came along, the perfect sacrifice. He came to make that new covenant. So I want to come to a finish. Galatians 5 says, Look, Paul, I say to you, that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. And I wonder what we are doing that is trying to be an outward sign, to prove that we are worthy of God. It's not about what you do, it's about what he has done. And so I wonder this morning, what are you believing in? Where is your heart for salvation? Who are you trusting For your salvation. You know, Christ was on the cross, and as he was there dying on the cross, he said, It is finished. Not it's half finished, Um, actually, there's a bit more for you to do. He didn't say, Actually, um, it's kind of finished, but um, what you're going to need to do is go to church so many times and have like this divine costa card that when you've got enough stamps, you're going to get a free entry into heaven he said, it is finished. It's over and done with. And there we accept. And so there isn't stuff to do. And the whole thing about Colossians is Paul is saying, this is all about Jesus plus nothing. It's not Jesus and go and get circumcised it's not Jesus and go and do certain things it's not about serving a certain way and and building up kind of credit with God it's Jesus plus nothing and we need to hear that I think because so often we try and do those extra things to earn credit with God and we're told no no You don't need to earn extra kudos. You don't have to do anything apart from accept that he has done it all for you. I wonder if uh, the band could come back up. Um, It's going to be difficult, but James has stolen his stand. Um, I'll give it back in a moment. In fact, I can give it back now and I can hold my... Thank you. So I want to ask you this morning just a couple of questions, and, uh, and then I want us to go back into worship so that we can um, focus and, and, and just think about, okay, what is it that you're saying to me, God, this morning? What is it that I need to consider in this? And so I want to ask you, what are you doing to try and earn your salvation? And I'm speaking to those who have been Christians many years, as well as those who perhaps haven't haven't found God yet. You know, we all try and do stuff to get right, to earn that salvation. What do you need to let go of? What, like a worthless bit of skin, do you need to chop away and get rid of and chuck it away and not keep it in a jar on the shelf for special occasions? What do you need to get rid of? Maybe you've never accepted God before. Maybe you're at home listening in. And you you don't know God, but you'd love to know him. And you've been thinking, what can I do? What can I achieve that God is going to think that I am worthy? And I want to tell you the truth this morning. There's nothing that you can do that will make you worthy before God. Apart from accept that Jesus did it. And that he said, it is finished. That it is over. That it has been done for you, once and for all. And that you'll never need to do anything more beyond that. Because he has loved you and accepted you before you were even known. And he died for you, knowing what you would be like. And he says, come to me if you don't know that this morning, as we've already been encouraged by Pamela, you need to talk about that and you need to pray with someone about that. And just accept who he is and what he's done. Thanks, Matt.